We've been talking about changing fountains and how God and the Holy Spirit of God is a fountain of life inside of us. I've been speaking on that for a few weeks and how we can activate that life within us that we don't live from the outside in, but rather from the inside out. How God can deposit his life, his thoughts, his, his will, his desires, his passion, everything inside of us. And, and we can begin to live that out. First, we experience it in our soul, then we live it out with our bodies. We've been experiencing that, uh, or we've been talking about that for the past few weeks. And so, these last two weeks, I talk about something. I'll just mention and jump right into topic, but we talked about a dynamo. Do you remember what a dynamo is? It's like a motor, an electrical motor, but the way it works, you put a mechanical force to turn it, and the dynamo begins to produce electricity, it begins to produce power. And we were comparing the Holy Spirit to this dynamo. In other words, there's a, there's a mechanical force, or there's an action that is applied to it, to the spirit in us and when we do that the spirit in us begins to produce life it begins to produce power it begins to produce uh, j j just a move of god inside of us and that is the fountain we were talking about but like the dynamo example there's an exterior force that needs to be applied and in this case that exterior force there's something that we have to do in order to get that motor running okay and so i talked about and i mentioned a couple of weeks ago six disciplines or six things that we are supposed to be doing in order for the spirit to move and to flow that way, okay? And so I mentioned that number one was the word of God, consuming and eating the word of God. I said is the gasoline of the spirit, is the food that our soul needs or that our spirit needs, right? And we, we already went on that. Last week we talked about prayer. And not only prayer in general, but I also talked about deep spiritual prayer and how to pray at a deeper level and how to pray at a spiritual level, okay? And I talked about how that prayer is basically the way that you process the food or the word that you ate. In other words, is the digestion of that word and that's how you get all the nutrients out and that's how you get the vitamins out of the word and the power out of the word to get the spirit moving. Uh, I already had testimonies this week and people coming up to me and telling me that they have put into practice some of the things that I was teaching on last week and this week, they, this very week, like, they just did it for one week and they've had supernatural encounters with the Holy Spirit. Some got visitations from the Lord, visions and, and just a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in their lives and so the word works, right? What God says in his word works and, and we already have testimonies of people who are beginning to apply some of these things that i've been teaching on and they've been experiencing the things that the word promises and some of the things that i've been talking to you about uh danny being one of them he was just sharing yesterday how he he got a strong visitation from the lord with visions and a move of god and a, a strong touch of the holy spirit and so that's really powerful because what we're talking about is not just a theory it's something we can put into practice and so today I want to talk to you about praise. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about what? Did you fall asleep on me after a great time of worship? What are we talking about? Praise. 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 Okay, cool. So praise, many times we think of praise and worship as the fast music and then the slow music in the service. And we think that praise is the fast music and that worship is the slow music during service. But that's not what it means. And so today we're going to be talking about this. Praise, there's actually eight words. How many? How many? You with me? How many? Okay. In Spanish? Oh, you're paying attention. Okay. So, there's eight words in the in Hebrew language that mean praise in our language. 
In other words, when the Bible is talking about praise, we see it as a generic thing. In the Bible, it's a specific thing. And I want to show them to you today so you learn how to praise, okay? Before I get into that, I want to tell you something else. There's a very strong spiritual principle that's in the Word that you have to know. You probably already heard about it, but I, I really want you to, to understand the impact of it. And that spiritual principle is called faith. What is it? Faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is what? Impossible. Without what? Faith. So if you want to get close to God, you have to be able to please Him. And how do you please Him? With faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to come near God. It is impossible to experience God and experience the different facets and the different aspects of God without faith. So tell your neighbor, you need some faith. Come on, wake him up. Tell him. Say with an attitude. Say, hey man, you need some faith. You need some faith. All right? So check it out. Matthew 9, verse 29. Matthew 9, verse 29. This is Jesus. There's these blind people that came up to him. And they came for healing. Look what Jesus says. It says he touched, or look what the Bible says that Jesus did. He touched their eyes. Okay, put his fingers in their eyes. Saying, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Or because of your faith, it will happen. In another translation, it says the way I just read it to you. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. This is powerful. Because the Bible and Jesus is literally telling us, it will happen according to your faith. So in other words, if you can believe it, it will happen. If you feel like, oh, God's only going to open one eye, but he's going to leave the other one closed, that's how it's going to happen. Well, maybe he's just going to give me a little bit of sight. Even if I could get a little bit back, then that's what's going to happen. You say, man, I'm going to get 20-20. Then that's what's going to happen. According to your faith. In other words, according to their ability to believe, that's how much they were going to experience. And this is Jesus speaking, by the way. Or, or it's Jesus that, that said these words. And the reason why this is important to me is because we always think about God like God is all-powerful. God can do whatever he wants. You know, God is mighty. Yes, have you ever thought that? And so you would think, well, if God wants to do it, then he's going to do it. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Even though I can do it, you will only see in the measure that you believe. It will only be done unto you according to the measure of belief that you have. And so I don't know if you understand this, but did you know you have the, the ability to limit God? It's a bad ability, by the way. But it is in your hands to limit God. God is limitless. But He is limited by your faith. In other words, God has the capability or He has the potential to do anything. But He can only release over your life what you believe. I want to read to you another verse. Mark 5, or sorry, Mark 6, verse 5. So Jesus goes to this town. And he goes to do what he's doing in every other town. You know, he was praying for the sick. He was preaching the gospel. He was casting out demons and healing people and just doing incredible miracles. And so he goes into this town. And look at what happens. 
And because of their unbelief, whose? The people in the town. He could not do any miracles among them. He could not do what? Any miracles among them. That's crazy. This is God we're talking about. Now, if I went somewhere and said I couldn't do any miracles, well, that's kind of normal. The weird thing is that I do a miracle. But it's Jesus we're talking about. He got the most miracles. He got the best track record. Man, this guy's doing miracles left and right. We were just singing. And when you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are made. You know, he could do it all. And yet he goes into a town and can't do anything. Why is the Bible telling us that he could not do these things? Why? Because they're unbelief. Unbelief also means lack of faith. So Jesus said, you're sick, I want to heal you. And he said, no, you can't. Then he can't. And so where I'm going with this is, that one of the things that I want you to understand is that our faith either unleashes the power of God or our lack of faith ties his hands. And so I want to ask you a question today. How many times has Jesus wanted to do something in our lives but could not because we didn't believe? Because we lacked the faith. We didn't have the interest. You see, there's so many things that God wants to do in our lives, but sometimes those things don't happen. And most people say, well, if it's God's will, then it's going to happen. No, it's if you believe that it will happen. Why did Jesus go to a town? Because he wanted to heal everybody. Just like he did in every other town. He wanted people to get saved. He wanted demons to come out. So he wanted it. But people didn't believe it. And it limited him. And so in our own lives, there's so many things that God wants to do. And so many victories he wants to give you. And so many things he wants to unleash over your life. But they have not happened. And maybe won't even happen. Because we don't believe it. Because we doubt. Jesus said, if you walk up to this mountain. And you believe without a doubt that it would happen. It's hard to believe without a doubt, isn't it? Because sometimes you're like, yeah, I really believe, but maybe, just maybe, it doesn't happen. Maybe, just maybe, is not what God wants for me. Has that happened to you? Then you have doubt. Hey, it happens to me. <laughs> and so there's some things that you have not seen into your life or in your life because we have not believed. Mark 9, 20 to 24. I'll share with you another story. So there's this father with a teenage boy. And the teenager, he, he was having seizures. He was having like epileptic attacks. And so they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, he said, what evil spirit? The, the kid was possessed. His epilepsy was due to a demonic spirit that was dwelling inside of him. And so when the spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion or into epilepsy. He fell on the ground, withering and foaming out the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked. And who did he ask? The boy's father. Check this out. The boy's father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Can you, can you repeat that back to me? Have mercy on us or help us? If you can. If you can. Have you ever prayed like that? God, can you help me with this? If you can. Oh, 
my husband, if you can, my wife, my car, my house. The thing is, we believe that he can. We just, we're not sure that he will. If you ask me, can God heal anybody? I say, heck yeah, he can heal anybody. Is he going to heal that person? Well, I don't know. So I lack faith. So in general terms, we think we have faith because we believe that God can do anything. But do we believe that God's actually going to do it? And that's where our faith crash and burn right and we pray like that sometimes God if it's your will if you want it could you please do this that's very different you know I have a daughter she's two years old and she just goes up to me and she says dad I want a bottle and I look at her and she's like dad I want a bottle bottle daddy bottle daddy daddy I want a bottle and I'm just like okay you chill Get, let me get you your bottle. She didn't ask me, is there milk in the fridge? She didn't say, did you buy me formula? Sometimes I didn't. She didn't say, do we have formula in the house? It's like 50 bucks. She didn't ask me those things. Because she's not wondering if I can give it to her. She knows I'm going to give it to her. And she gets intense. There's this intensity about her. Pretty intense, actually. Sometimes I'm like, yo, Wait! Give me two sacks. Bottle daddy, bottle daddy, bottle. Shut up. But she knows that she knows that she knows that she knows that I'm going to give it to her. There's no doubt in her mind that she's going to get it. I'm her dad. I got to provide. And no matter what I have to do, I'm going to put food on the table. And in my daughter's case, I'm going to put milk in her bottle. You know what I mean? Somebody over there got really excited. Like, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So she has faith. And she has more faith than a lot of us. Jesus, as a matter of fact, he said, if you only had faith. If you had faith like little children. You know, two days ago I told my daughter, hey, honey, tomorrow I'm taking you to the park. She got excited. She's like, yay, park. And so God says, don't worry, I know the person that I have for you. Yeah, really? Where is he? Where is she? Do you know them? Where do they exist? Are they even alive? Am I going to stay single forever? God says, I got the perfect thing for you. I have a calling, a ministry. But how am I going to pay for my bills? And what am I going to do? And if I do that? And if I do... And there's things that he can't do because we don't believe. If you just believed little children if you just took him at his word and so I want you to take some notes I want to teach you some things that you know, are going to help you I want to teach you a principle a spiritual principle this is one of the most important things you're ever going to learn in your walk with God you probably already know it but I want to make sure that you have it the virtue that you believe and acknowledge of God will become the power that will manifest and that you will experience. I'll repeat it. The virtue that you believe and acknowledge of God will become the power that you will be able to experience. What does that mean? What are virtues? Virtues are qualities. 
So whatever quality or, or traits that I believe and I acknowledge of God, they will become my reality. They will become the thing that God can do for me. I'll give you an example. The Bible's full of these virtues and the Bible's full of, of, of the qualities of God. For example, God's, the Bible says God is all-powerful. Have you ever heard that? The Bible says God is all-knowing. That God is omnipresent. He can be anywhere. Those are some of his qualities. Some other ones. He shows up and he says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Nisi. What is he saying? I'm the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your provider. I am the Lord, your flag. I am the Lord, your warrior. I am the Lord, your peace. That's how God presents himself through the word. And so you will never experience healing if you don't believe that God is your Rapha, he's your healer. And some people say, oh, God can heal you. And you might say, yeah, I know he can, but is he going to? And if there's doubt, then you cannot get healed. But if you believe and you acknowledge that virtue of God, and you begin to have faith in that facet of God, that's the virtue that is going to manifest in your life. You understand it? Therefore, if I can believe that God is my provider, he will provide if I can believe that the Lord will fight my battles like we sing, then he will. If I can believe that God is my justice, then he will. It just won't happen automatically. There's the one component, the one aspect that, that kicks this off and makes it happen. You know what it is? Faith. Faith is the key to the manifestation of the Lord. And so, these virtues, I have to believe them and I have to acknowledge them. What does that mean? I not only believe it, but I, be, I declare it. And I say, God, you are this, you are that. You know, just uh, this week, uh, a week back ago, I got news. There's uh, this business thing that I did a little while back. And I knew I was going to have to pay some money. I didn't know where. I was supposed to, they were supposed to tell me about two months in advance. They didn't. Just about last week, they called me and said, Dennis, uh, in two weeks, I pay about $85,000 on Monday. And if you don't send $85,000, you lose your initial investment. So I've already put down about two hundred. So I have about $250,000 invested in this thing. And if I don't pay $85,000, I lose two hundred and fifty. That's a lot of money. It's not only a lot of money. It's part of what I've been able to build for my family and part of what God has given me. It's my kid's inheritance. It's properties that I buy. It's time that I invested. It's work that I put into it. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm on the verge of losing what I've worked so hard for. Because these guys didn't tell me two months in advance. They told me two weeks. And so I go and check my bank, and I don't even have $1,000. And I know I got to pay $85,000. You know, and it's like, okay, maybe I could come up with one or two, but eighty-four. It's a little bit of money. Actually, it's quite a lot. <laughs> and so I get stressed a little. I get worried. 
couple of nights I try to go to bed and my head is just thinking and doing numbers and doing math and say if I sell this car and if I sell this and if I sell my daughter no, I'm kidding but <laughs> you know I'm having all these ideas and you know I was driving in my truck and uh, I put this other song that I like and songs just kept playing and then this started playing so I'm driving and it starts playing and I just sing it because I know it When I start singing it, I start sensing something in my spirit. And tears begin coming down my face. I start crying, basically. And in my spirit, I just know, you're my provider. You know, the only reason why I have those 250 is because he did it anyway. I didn't have a dime five years ago. When I got married, I had whatever they gave me at the wedding to my name. And it wasn't much, by the way. provided for me now I need this you know what Jaira means provider we're saying Jaira provider God you are enough I will be content and I'm like why am I even worried you're gonna take care of it you're gonna do it I still don't got the 85 I gotta send it I already paid a portion actually I gotta send like 60 tomorrow but working on it but you know what? It's not the money. It's the trust. It's the faith. It's the security and it's the peace that comes from knowing whom you serve. Who is your God? Who's your provider? It's not me. That's for sure. And so where I'm going with this is, that's what praise does. That's what faith does. And the reason why I'm talking about, you know, I said I was going to talk about praise and so far I've been talking about faith. And you're like, Pastor, where's the connection? Well, here it is. Praise builds your faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. And so praise is when you begin to acknowledge the goodness of God, the power of God, the track record of God, the things that God has done, the names of God, the nature of God. When I begin to acknowledge it, which means to declare it myself, and then I began to believe it. That's praise. So sometimes you just recognize what God has done. You recognize what God has said. You talk about his track record. You talk about testimonies. And something begins to stir up in your spirit. And all of a sudden you begin to believe the things that you couldn't believe for before. All of a sudden you begin to feel a little better. All of a sudden the burden is taken off. All of a sudden you feel there's a peace that comes around it and a goodness that comes around it. Why? Because you're building up your faith. When you begin to declare the word of God, that's called praise. And when you begin to declare it, guess what happens? You also hear it. And that's how you build faith. And so praise is one of the greatest tools that God has given us to build up our faith. And so I'm in the car. I begin to sing this. And not just repeating it, but all of a sudden it begins to speak to me. And my faith is built up. Where I no longer am just acknowledging that God is a provider. I know that I know that I know that He will provide for me. He's always provided for me. And it's never been about how smart I am or how good I am or how slick I am or my timing. It's just been God. 
and I'm blessed because he provides. Some people say, oh, it's because you work really hard. Everybody works hard. I know so many people that work hard. It ain't that. So you've been so wise. Trust me, I haven't. I've made a lot of mistakes and I lost tons of money too. Thank God. He is the provider. And so where I'm going with this is the fact that when we praise, our faith is built up. Our faith is edified. And then when our faith is built up, we can begin to experience things that we had not experienced before. You begin to open up the door for a miracle. As Jesus said, it will be done according to your faith. And so, if you have the ability now to begin to believe for things that you didn't believe in before, guess what's going to happen? You're going to begin to experience things that you haven't experienced before. You have only experienced God to the measure that you believed. Say that again. You've probably only experienced God to the measure that you have believed. But if you believe for greater things, you will see greater things. And they can't be generic. They got to be specific. You got to know what you're hoping for. You got to know what you're believing for. You got to know the things that God has spoken over you. And so this dad comes to Jesus and he says, please have mercy on us if you can. Help us if you can. There's no faith there. You understand? Look at Jesus' reply. Verse 23. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> you know, we see Jesus as this barning hubby-dubby. I love you. You love me. <laughs> Jesus wasn't like that. He was a tough guy. Flipped the tables. Walking around with a whip. Calling people foxes. Calling other serpents. Like, that's a tough guy. He's like, and so this guy comes up. He's like, Jesus, help us if you can. And Jesus' response is, what do you mean if I can? And I think that's what he would say to a lot of us with our prayers. Jesus, God. He's like, what? What are you talking about? Do you realize who you're talking to? Of course I can. And of course I will. When he says, what do you mean if I can? He says, anything, say with me, anything, anything. is possible to he who believes. In other words, God can do anything if you believe it. Question is, can you believe it? Ask your neighbor, how much do you believe? Ask him, what have you been believing? might reply but have you been believing you get where I'm going with this tell your neighbor your faith, your faith is limiting my God is limiting my God stop it stop it tell him stop it stop it don't limit my God you didn't say it come on you gotta tell him but point a finger say don't limit my God don't limit my God he's limitless he's limitless we need to start believing more. We need to start believing more. And this is why God speaks of himself. You know, God doesn't speak of himself in the Bible because he needs to boast. He's like, yeah, 10-time world champion. You know, I got all these skills. I know it all. I'm so cool. That's not God. You know, God says, son, daughter, 
I know your past, present, and future. Don't worry. Son, daughter, I have all the resources in the world. Don't doubt. I can provide for you. Son, daughter, I know your heart. I know the secrets. I know I have plans for you that you don't even know. He's not boasting. He's loving. You get what I'm saying? Son, daughter, I'm the healer. That's not because he said, oh, I'm so cool. I can heal anything. He said, I can heal you. Get a clue. I can restore you. Get a clue. I can fight for you. I can open up doors that have been closed. I can make ways where there is no ways. I'm your dad. You know, my daughter the other day, she comes up to me. She's like, Daddy, can you buy me this? I'm like, yes. She's like, really? I said, look, I can buy you anything you want. Now, do you deserve it? <laughs> I asked her, it's different. He's like, honey, I can buy you anything you want. That's probably not true. I couldn't buy her everything she wants, but she doesn't know that yet. <laughs> but I want her to know. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm rich, y'all. I can do whatever. You know, that'd be stupid. She's two years old. She's not even going to get it. The reason why I said that is because I want her to know anything she ever needs in her life, come to dad. Come tell me. Hey, I need this. I'm going through this. I need your help. Can you get this for me? And I love that. She runs to me, Daddy. What if we ran to God that way? Daddy. He can do it all, you know. He can do it all. Having said that, and long story short, I'm going to read to you Psalms 33. Messing with you. <laughs> Psalms 33. This is a guy named David, King David. He writes these things about God. And one of the things that I want you to understand about David's life is that it was very far from perfect. He made mistakes. He fought strong battles. He went through difficult times in his life. But check this out. He says, let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. Let the what? Godly. Question, are you godly? No. I hope you are, yeah. You're godly? Yes. Sing for joy to the Lord. For it is fitting and pure to praise Him. Praise the Lord with melodies of the lyre. We don't have a lyre, but we got a piano. So, praise the Lord with the piano. Put it in today's context. Make music for Him with a ten-string harp. We only have a six-string guitar, but that's fine. Missing four strings, but we'll deal with it. Uh, but make music. So look, it says, sing to the Lord. Make melodies. Make music. How do you worship God? With music. Or how do you praise Him, right? Um, it says, sing a new song. So if you're not up here playing the harp and playing the piano, you can sing a new song. You know what that means, sing a new song? It means to flow. You know, in today's world, we call it freestyling. It's like, yo, freestyle. Yo, yo, yo. We'll stop saying yo and freestyle. Like, like, and, and it, what that is, is let it flow. Whatever comes out of your spirit. We put that into practice today. I said, just let it flow. Say what... Whatever burst in here, let it out. You're good. You're great. You're awesome. I love you. I need you. Whatever it is, that's how you praise Him. You let it flow. Some people are saying, oh, the lyrics, they're too slow. I can't even read the lyrics. Shut up. 
Stop waiting for lyrics. You don't need lyrics to praise Him. You need your spirit to praise Him. Look at this. For the Lord, sorry, for the word of the Lord holds true, or it's true. And we can trust everything. How many things? Everything. everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the world and all the stars were born. He assigned the seeds boundaries and he locked the oceans into vast reservoirs. He let the whole or let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when we spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The Lord frustrates the plans of nations and towards their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. For what joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees the human race. Where's the Lord? In heaven. Where is he looking towards? The earth. And what does he see? People. And you know who he sees the most? The ones who are praising him. Uh, there's a bunch of people asking for things, but they, those guys are praising me, man. Those guys have faith. Faith is a magnet. Praise is a magnet that brings the praise. You know, we had a little bit of praise just now. Did you experience the presence of God? Yeah. He comes where he's praised, he comes where there's faith. It's like me, I come where there's steak. You know, it's like. <laughs> like that I can smell it from a mile away start driving pulling over he smells your faith he's looking down and he sees your praise and he's drawn to it isn't that incredible so you want to experience the presence of God the Bible says this for God dwells or his presence inhabits the praises of his people so you say, how do you experience the presence of God? Praise Him. Why? Because in the midst of your praise, His presence will come and fill your faith. Isn't that crazy? You don't praise Him if you don't think He's real. You don't praise Him if you don't think He's going to manifest. You don't praise Him if you don't think He's going to do something. You might sing, but praise. You praise Him when you're like, yes, God. You're, you move, touch, blow, and you're expecting you're exercising your faith and what's going to happen? He comes. Does he not? He meets you at your faith. It's powerful. And so, this psalm that David is writing, it's amazing. He looks down at the whole human race. Verse 14. From his throne, he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king nor is great strength enough to save a warrior don't count on your war horse to give you the victory for all its strength cannot save you but the lord isn't that powerful what is god saying you could have a whole army with you i could still kill you but if i'm protecting you a whole army cannot touch you It's not by might, it's not by strength, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. 
But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death. He keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. Our hearts in him rejoice and we trust his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us for our hope is in you alone. That is praise. So when you read things like that and you're in a battle, you're in a problem, you're in a situation, people are coming against you, they're talking trash behind your back, you're getting sued, I don't know what's happening. But you praise with God's track record. Does anybody here buy anything on Amazon? Do you check the reviews? I hope you do. Yes. I usually get stuff that's like 4.7 and above. And usually if you go to those five-star reviews or four-point something, there's usually a one-star review, a few of them. And if you go check it out, they're kind of baseless. They're like, oh, you're like, shut the hell up. If the product had two-star review and you read a bunch of ones, then maybe you'd believe it. But when everything's five-star and there's three people who wrote a one-star, you're like, and you read their review and you're like, it's baseless. They read the product wrong. They didn't read the instructions. They're complaining about some stupid stuff. Like, you get what I'm saying? You usually end up buying it. I don't think there isn't one product that doesn't have a one star, but they're five star in overall rating. What am I saying with this? God has a great track record. God's a five star review. And you maybe have heard bad reviews of God, but let me tell you, the user got it wrong. Either they didn't read the instructions or they believe some stuff that somebody said, but maybe they didn't read the manual for themselves. But let me tell you, if you read the manual and you did it according to instruction, the word works. God has got five-star reviews. So when you go into the Bible and you look at the stories of all these people who have experienced victories in their life, those are reviews. Those are people saying, hey, we did this and it worked. So-and-so believed and look at what happened. Look at this. That's God's track record. And let me tell you, he hasn't lost a battle yet. You say, oh, but in the Bible, some people lost battles. Yes, they did what he told them not to do. Stupid. Oh, I've lost some battles. You probably did something he told you not to do. But if you do it his way, you're going to see the victory. You're going to see God working for you. And so what is praise? Long story short. Praise is basically you acknowledging God's track record. It's going into your Bible and reading and saying, God, you give victory to this person. You are good. You provided. You defended. You did this. You restored. God, if you did it for them, you could do it for me. I believe you're a restorer. I believe that you're a savior. I believe that you're the warrior. I believe that you're a healer. I believe that you can be my flag and you can be my standard. I believe you can be my provider because you've done it. And if you did it for them, you're going to do it for me. And when you get so full of that conviction, you build up faith. And if you believe, Jesus said, you will see his glory. Can you believe it? And so you don't only read this stuff. You don't only hear a, treat, a preaching or a teaching. You don't only hear a testimony, but you make it yours. You know the word testimony in itself, in, the, in Hebrew language, it paints a picture of a window or of a portal being opened. And what that means is when somebody shares a testimony of what God did for them, there's a spiritual portal that opens up and you could jump right through it. And you say, how does that sound? That's mystical. That's weird. Well, Elijah once tells Elijah, his master, he says, listen, Elijah says to him, I'm going to leave. 
And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm leaving soon, you know. I'm not going to be your master any longer. Ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. This guy had money, he had camels, he had houses, whatever. Elisha asks for one thing. He says, I want your anointing. He's like, oh, that's a hard thing. Like, if you ask me for a house, I could give you a keys. If you ask me for the camel, I'll give you a remote starter. But if you ask me for my anointing, like, how do I give that to you? He's left with this. When I'm leaving, if you can see it, and if you catch it, it's yours. It's a weird thing to ask. And the Bible says that Elijah began to be lifted up into heaven. And Elisha, he believed for something that nobody else would have believed. Nobody would have asked for his anointing because you can't give it. You can only give a physical thing. But Elisha, he believed he could get something that nobody else would have believed. He said, I believe I can take your anointing. Okay? If you can see it. And guess what? Because he believed he could, he saw it. And so Elijah's being lifted up. He sees the anointing and he grabs it. And then he had the double portion. Did you know Elisha did exactly double the miracles that Elijah did? He literally got the double portion. There was one missing, by the way, when he died. One missing. And one day they're carrying this dead guy into a cemetery and they dropped him as they were carrying him. And the guy fell on top of Elijah's tomb, Elisha's tomb. And he resurrected. <laughs> he got the last one in. Double portion. Exactly twice the miracles of Elijah. That's insane. He believed for something that nobody else believed. And he saw something in the spirit that nobody else could see. That's what a testimony is. When somebody gives a testimony or says that God did something for their lives, there's a spiritual portal that's open. And sometimes, just sometimes, your faith is awoken by somebody's testimony. And you say, boom, that's for me. What you're saying, what that pastor spoke, what that prophet is saying, that's for me. And you just know that you know and You believe it wholeheartedly. And you just grab that promise. And you know that it's yours. Guess what's going to happen? When that conviction arises up in you, it's your chance. I went to a conference in California many years ago not even many years ago, six years ago about. And there's a pastor talking about when he got married, he didn't have any money. He was preaching the gospel, he was serving, he had some odd jobs. And he knew that was the person God wanted him to marry and he obeyed and he was in the ministry and he was starting. And he said that he was praying for a house. He didn't have a place to take his wife or whatever and he was praying. And he one day went to his place and he felt like he had to give this offering. And it was a significant offering because it was all he had. And he said he did it. He said, I just had this conviction that if I only gave this offering, God was going to provide me my own house. And he did it. And all of a sudden, God opened up a door. And within months, he had his first house. This guy today is a millionaire, by the way. He's, God's prospered him in an incredible way. And I was sitting there in the auditorium, and when I heard that, something hit my spirit so hard, and I knew that was for me. And I knew that I knew that I knew. I said, that if I give everything I have, God's going to give me a house. It's not just because I, I imagined it. I just knew it. A conviction came into my spirit. And I had like five, six hundred bucks. I don't even remember. 
It's all I had, literally. And I got up and I went to the altar with tears on my face. I said, thank you, God, for my house. Because I'm not going to live in rent. I'm going I'm to get a house. And I went and gave it. Weeks before I got married, somebody offered me the nicest penthouse. Downtown Toronto. Great place. Beautiful. And he said, move here. I said, I can't afford it. He said, how much can you pay? I said, like $1,500. It was $3,500 for the rent. I said, I can pay like fifteen. dollars said, pay me $1,500 for a year. I, we want you to live in it. It was a friend of mine. And I, it was tempting because it was a great neighborhood, a great apartment, a great place. And I showed Steph and she's like, oh, I really want to move there. And I said, listen, God's going to give us a house. We can't move there. So why? Because we're going to buy a house. And she's like, you're crazy. We got no money. I said, I know it. I made a covenant. Anyway, long story short, when we got married, we got a first house. Today, we have four. It's only been four years. A year, one house every year. By the time I'm 60, I might have 60, I don't know. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Faith. A testimony. You get it? When he said that, I knew that God was speaking to me. And by faith, I believed. And I didn't have a dollar to my name. My credit was like 400. I had about $35,000 in debt. I was barely making anything. It was impossible. I called a mortgage broker. They said, they pretty much told me I was stupid. <laughs> so you don't have credit, you got no money, and got a job. <laughs> they laughed in my face. I got turned down. Banks turned me down. I went back to a mortgage broker and I said, look, I don't want you to tell me that I can't. I want you to tell me what I need because I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. So, but you don't qualify. I said, I don't care. Tell me what I need to get. I'm going to get it. You need this, 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 and that. I said, okay. He said, come back next year or in two years when you have that. I said, I'll see you in a couple months. I was there two months later getting approved. Faith. If you believe. Now you can't just believe on random things. You got to believe in the things that God has spoken. And that was specific to me. God spoke it into my spirit and I knew it was the Lord. You get what I'm saying? And I had a hard time sometimes believing those things. But praise has built my faith. I've been a person of praise. Where I would lock myself up in my basement. I live in a basement. And I would praise for four or five hours nonstop. I would jump. Actually, a funny story. But one day I was praising so hard by myself in the basement. I'm jumping. I'm going, yes. And I jumped so tall. I broke a hole in the roof. I popped through the roof. <laughs> My head. Poof. It was uh, like drop ceiling. So it wasn't drywall, thank God. But poof. I moved the time. I'm like, oh, dang. I broke the roof from praising so hard. I crashed into a wall. I'd start jumping and dancing before the Lord and spinning. I'd get dizzy and I'd pass out. I'd be on the floor. And it might have seemed stupid to people. And maybe somebody would have laughed at me. But those moments built my faith. Those were times where God was telling me, I'm going to do it. I'm here for you. And I've seen, you hear me tell stories of miracles all the time. All the time I share stories. And people are like, oh, pastor, that's so nice what God did for you. I want to tell you, God can do the same things and even greater things for you. You know what the difference is? I've had the, the I don't know, the, the grace 
to believe in some things that maybe you haven't yet. But I want you to start believing them. Because it's the same God. And he doesn't have favorites. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. Or he doesn't love anybody else more than he loves anybody. He just needs faith to work with. How do you build that faith? Praise him. In the midst of the trial, praise him. And thank him for what he's about to do. In the midst of lack and in the midst of drought. Even in your highest moments, praise him. Because you know what? Sometimes when you're all the way down, it's easy to look up. But sometimes when you're all the way up, you start looking down and that's a big mistake. When you're at your highest point, look up still because you still need Him. When God puts you and gives you glory, when He blesses you, when, when you're at a high peak in your life, look up, not down. Because you start looking down on people and you got to look up and say, God, this is because of you. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't you. And this is for you. And I need you. Because pride comes before the fall. And it's easy to look up when you're down. It's hard to look up when you're up. You understand? And praise will keep you there. Because when you get a victory, when you get a triumph, when you're in your tallest mountain, and you say, thank you, God. I praise you. You're powerful. You're good. You know what you're doing? You're telling yourself, it wasn't you, it was him. And you need to know that. So you praise him always. In the good and in the bad. Through thick and thin, you know, in your victories and in your battles. Praise Him. Praise Him. Recognize who He is. Acknowledge His goodness. Recognize His power. Acknowledge with your lips who He is to you in your need of Him. You with me? That's what praise is. And so to wrap it up, I want you to write these down. I'm going to give you the eight things that are praise. We're going to do them quickly. So be quick. You with me so far? So I'll tell you again, praise is not fast music. Praise is an attitude of your soul to acknowledge the goodness, the grace, the favor, the power, the attributes of your God to the point that you believe. That's praise. It's to celebrate Him and it's to sing victory even before the battle. And so there's eight words I want you to learn. Number one, halal. H-A-L-L-A-H. Halal is not the chicken you get at Costco. It's not the pita you eat. They, they stole the name. Halal, originally in Hebrew, you know what it means? Number, number one thing I'll tell you, it's the common, most common word in the Bible for praise. So in the Bible, whenever you read praise, most times it doesn't say praise. It actually says halal. What is halal? It means to boast. You know what boasting is? What is it? but not about you. You boast him. Man, this is my God. You know that song? My God is an awesome God. He raised from heaven. That's boasting. You brag about him. You rave about him to the point that you appear foolish. Halal is to have such an attitude of celebration and of exaltation that you look stupid that people think you're drunk that you're making a fool out of yourselves you know when people go to a soccer game or football game and somebody scores and they go ah! oh, and they grab each other and they hug each other and they jump 
you know, just this week or yesterday, Argentina played and Messi scored. And I was watching this video. There's people in a bar watching the game. And they're like, oh, God! Each other. And they're just with strangers, people don't even know each other, and they're going in circles, and they're like, that's halal. The thing is, it's so easy for us to halal for messy and not to halal for God. We go to a concert, we go to a club, we go to these places, and we praise, I don't know what you're praising, but there's nothing I'm going to praise harder than I praise my God. Praise Him for real. And that's how you praise Him. You sing, you dance, you jump. They're doing halal over there. That's great. Put it into practice. You get it? So sometimes people say, oh, they're fanatics. Pentecostals. That's praise. And that's how we should praise. And by the way, that's in the Bible, that's what comes up most amount of times. So it's the most common form of praise. So we should praise Him that way. Dancing, jumping, singing, boasting, and acting foolish. So David one day, he's going berserk. Like the ark is coming to his city, the ark of the covenant. And this guy's excited. The music's playing. And he starts dancing and jumping and spinning. And, you know, they wore robes back then. And he goes like this. And his robe goes up. And you could see his junk. And his wife calls him over. He's like, David, quit acting stupid. You're being a fool. Everybody saw you. And he says, well, I don't care. Because I was dancing for my God. And if I look stupid, I'm going to look the more stupider. But I'm not going to stop praising my God because I'm happy and I'm excited. Guess what happened? David is known as the father of Jesus. Not because he birthed him directly, but it says Jesus from the line of David. From the house of David. You know his wife, the one that said that? She was supposed to be Jesus' great, 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 great grandmother. And guess what happened? God didn't use her. He rejected her. And he said, my son will not come from you. You're ashamed to worship me. And you know what he actually used to give him that descendants? The woman he had cheated with. That's crazy. The woman that David committed adultery with, that's the woman God used to bring about his son. Because she wasn't ashamed of God, even though she, has, she had sinned. The other one that was a queen, she didn't want to praise. She mocked him. God says, I won't use you. Isn't that crazy? God can take a sinner that praises more than somebody who thinks they're righteous but can't praise and is ashamed of God. That's insane. So, halal is to do that. Second word, yada. It's not when you go yada, yada, yada. No. Or yada. Y-A-D-A-H. And what that means is to extend your hands up. Lift your hands. So, have you noticed that sometimes when we pray or when we worship or we're praising, I say, lift your hands. It doesn't mean to do this or this. It means to do this. And you say, Pastor, why you get so picky? Why are you talking about 5G? It's literally the instruction. Praise means to do this. Not this, not this, not that.
Do you know when you look at movies, ancient movies, and say there was a pharaoh and he came out, people would go like this, people like that, and they'd go like this. You know? That's how you praise kings. That's how you praise pharaohs and figures of authority. Can I tell you that's also how you praise God? And so yada actually means to do that. Sometimes kneeling, sometimes standing, but it's to extend your hands. And another thing that yada means, it's an action that you do physically with an attitude. What's the attitude? Thanksgiving. In other words, when we praise in, in the form of yada, we thank Him. So when you lift your hands, say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I'm grateful. And find reasons to thank Him. You know, the psalmist David, he once said, went through a hard time in his life as a matter of fact he writes that times were so tough that he felt like he wanted to die he was drying up he was sick he was depressed he didn't want to leave his room his room and he, and he writes this he says praise him oh my soul and do not forget about any of his benefits yada yada so he's saying i feel like dying i'm depressed but I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to thank Him for all the good things He has done. What do we do when we're depressed? I'm going to stay home and watch Netflix and don't open the curtains. I want to see any light. And I'm going to take a sleeping pill because I can't even sleep. And you know what? If I have antidepressants, I'll take those too. That's not how you overcome. That's how you get defeated. That's how Satan crushes you. The way you overcome, yada. Praise and thank you. Three. Barak. B-A-R-A-K. Barak. Barak means to bless or to speak blessing. And blessing means to speak good. So we need to Barak God. That's a way to praise Him. So how do you praise a person? You say the good things that you see in them. For example, if you ever dated anybody, especially guys towards girls, they give you Barak. What does it mean? You're so beautiful. Your eyes are like stars. Your body, your skin, your hair. You're so smart. You're so brave. Don't you say those things? And the girls are like, oh my God. <laughs> they melt. God likes Barak. And you do it the same way. You're so beautiful. You're so amazing. You're so marvelous. You're so good. You're so faithful. That's Barak. You're literally saying to him the good things you see in him. That's a way to praise. And the way you do that usually with the movement of your body. Imagine a guy just said to you, Usually he leans in, he looks at you, he's like, oh my God, wow. You know, body language. So in this case, body language matters. When you're doing Barak, it's not like, God, you're so beautiful. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. No. Put your body into it. Right? You're amazing. You're wonderful. I love you. That's Barak. Okay? Number four, Tehila. Or Tehila. It's not the thing they do at FA on Mondays. 
Tehillah is not an event. Tehillah is an action. And what it means is to sing. So more than the event, what they're attempting is to get people to sing unto God, right? It's a great thing. It's a form of praise. And what does it mean? To sing, how? Out loud. How loud? Top of your lungs. So people go to church and they're like, that you're not praising anybody. Tehillah is to sing. How loud? Very loud. Out loud. Top of your lungs. Go full out. When you sing to God, my voice sucks. Hey, mine does too. It's all good. But that's the one he gave me. That's the one I'll use. If he wanted a different one, should have given me a different one, right? Tehillah is to sing out loud. It involves music, but mainly singing. So, you know, in the Bible, sometimes you're reading songs and you're reading and then it says Tehillah. That means people were singing a song and the music kept playing or sometimes stopped and people begin to sing. And what you would hear, I don't know if you notice, but sometimes we're in worship and I tell the music to go like this. And I say, just your voices. That's Tehillah. You can do it with music, but mainly it's just your voices. And you could do a chorus that's, you know, or it could also be spontaneous, something that just flows. And if you pray in tongues, sing in tongues to worship Him in tongues. That's a way to praise, Tehillah. Okay? Number five, Zamar. Z-A-M-A-R. It means to pluck the strings of an instrument or to play an instrument. So most of us, Zamar is going to be tough. Because me, like... I ain't that good, yeah. But if you can't play an instrument, play an instrumental. If you can't play an instrument, I mean, you should try to learn an instrument. I encourage you to. It's a way, great way to connect with God. But meanwhile, instrumentals go to places where somebody's playing. And instrumentals is great. Because now you're not singing stuff that somebody wrote. You're singing what is spontaneously flowing out of your spirit. Okay? Another one. Number seven, two different words I'm going to give you, but they both mean the same thing. That's why I put it into one. Toda, so T-O-D-A-H, and Shabak. And what they mean is to shout with a loud voice. A, a war cry. You know when people went to war, if you ever watch like these older movies, you had an army line up here, an army line up over there. And the king, the king will give a speech or the, or the general of the army. And then he'll say, yeah, attack. And they'll go, whoa. Have you ever seen that? That's what it is. Toda. Or Shabak. It's a war cry. It's a shout. So sometimes when you're praising God, some people go, whoa. You think they're crazy? No, it's a form of praise. Every culture, by the way, had a war cry, had a victory chant, had a way where they prepare for battle. Where, ooh, ooh, ooh. Why did they do that? It's a spiritual thing that gets manifested in the physical sound, but it's a spiritual thing that is giving gratitude of the victory that is to come. It's like we're gonna. 
kill these guys. We're going to get them. Right? It's a manly thing. But girls could do it too. And it's basically a way to thank and a way to praise for the victory that you have not yet seen, but that's just about to happen. And so if you used to go to churches before, most churches don't do it nowadays, but they used to do it before. And in the middle of praise, they'll be like, war cry. And people will be like, or give them a shout of praise. And people will be like, war. In Jericho, they surrounded the city. And you know, it says they surrounded the city and that God told them to praise after surrounding the city, right? It doesn't say to praise. It says to Torah and to Shabbat. So what they did, they surrounded the city. And then all of a sudden, they count to whatever they counted. And then they're like, Wah! And that was a form of praise. And you know what happened? An earthquake happened. And the whole city tumbled and the walls started crashing down and the houses fell on people and the enemy army died inside. And they got so scared, they got up, they got their swords, it was dark, they started killing each other, they all died. And the people didn't even have to fight. You know what they did? Praise them. Sounds crazy, but that's what happened. And so, you got to praise that way. It's a prayer of deliverance. You know, have you ever been captive or you feel pushed down, crushed, you feel tied up, and you pray? You go, ah! Did you know that's actually a way to get delivered from demonic spirits? And from demonic. So sometimes when we're praying for people to get delivered, I tell them, when I count to three, you're going to shout as loud as you can a shout of praise. Because it's a shout of deliverance. When you do that, bah, something breaks off of you. It's a spiritual thing that manifests in an audible sound, but it's a form of praise. And your praise can deliver you, that you know. I've done this. I, as a matter of fact, I've had hundreds of people pray for me to get delivered and from things to go off my life. Nothing ever happened. And the only time that I actually got a deliverance, the one and only, was with Shabbat was one day that I was tired of things that were happening in my life. I was depressed. I, there was things that were attacking me and I just didn't want it anymore. And I started praying and I started interceding and I started praising and I was in my car and all of a sudden I went, ah! demon came out of me. And I got delivered from anger. And I got delivered from rage and violence, which had been in my family for generations and sadly I had it too. I haven't had a fight since then. Haven't had a burst of anger since then. Delivered by praising. Ain't that crazy? The last one I'm going to tell you. Hallelujah. You probably heard that one before. And hallelujah, it literally means to halal, ja. So it's the same as the first one, but it's a command. It's telling you to do it. So sometimes in the Bible, you read hallelujah, you know, sometimes the worship is like hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah is actually an instruction. It's hallelujah, which means halal, yeah. So when the leader of worship would tell the people hallelujah, people will go wow and go crazy and start dancing and start jumping and start shouting and start praising. That's hallelujah. It's to give halal to Jah. And who's Jah? Yahweh. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
And that's the eight words for praise. What I want to give them to you, because you need to start praising. And maybe you've been doing one, Tehillah. That's what most people do. That's good. But you're missing seven. How do you build up your faith? Praise Him. How do you praise Him? You got eight ways to praise Him. When are you going to praise Him? Every day. Anytime. Anywhere. Praise Him. You could praise Him by saying good things about Him. You could praise Him by jumping and shouting and going berserk. You could praise Him by dancing in your room and singing melodies to Him. You could praise Him by coming up with a new song. You could praise Him by an instrument. You could praise Him by beginning to flow in the Spirit. You can praise Him by shouting. You can praise Him in so many ways. I don't care what you do, just praise Him. But when you live a lifestyle of praise, you keep the Spirit moving. You're, you're, you're shaking up and stirring up the Spirit inside of you. And you're going to realize that you, are a, you will become a man, a woman of faith. A lot of people tell me, Pastor, if I listen to this, is it a sin? And if I listen to this guy or that song, is that a sin? I'm not the police, nor am I the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to be behind your butt telling you, don't listen to this, don't listen to that. This song is pastor approved. Shut up. I'm not going to do that. But I do want to ask you, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be a sexual person? Then listen to sexual music. Do you want to battle with pornography and, and, and with, uh, um, you know, thoughts that you shouldn't have i forget what you call it uh, not adultery what do you call it lust lust in your head and and think about women and think about guys and think about sex and battling demonic spirits then listen to that it's fine you want to love money and get full of pride and ego and listen to some rap yo i got more money than you dog you can't touch me ain't nobody like you know whatever I'm not going to tell you what you listen to, but be smart. You want to have faith? You want to do the will of God? Praise.